Hello and welcome to Scopy Radio. My name is Daniel Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. And today we are joined by Alicia Magana. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to talk with you guys. Cool. That you guys know a little bit more about the project. Yeah, yeah. it's always fun when we're uh, when we bring people into the apartment. There's always like the pre-interview, mm-hmm. like kind of like just like, all right, let's make sure that we like know it all what we're talking about. <laughs> but um, today's was really great, and it's one of those moments where we were like, oh no, we gotta just we talked for all of probably two minutes, and we're like, no, this we need to get into this. <laughs> like now. we need to record it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so thank you so much for being here. No, and, thank and, you and for everything. having me. Um, so yeah, let's let's get into it. Like, yeah, can you tell us it. a little bit about the project? Yes. So um, the project is called Un Ratito Mas, a mm-hmm. little while longer. Um, it's a short film, mm-hmm. and uh, it deals with with um, what is happening today and what has been happening for years um, related to immigration. And it is an allegory to the immigration machine and what immigrants that come from any other country go through um, just to lead a better life and what they actually leave behind because mm-hmm. that's one of the, the major concepts that people don't understand is what all of these people are leaving behind. and. Mm-hmm it's very easy to say, you know, oh yeah, they're just coming here and doing this and that. And it's like, you don't understand what they're running away from and what a lot of, uh, I feel like most immigrants um, have, like for me, in my case, when when we moved here, it was very um, safety concerns, you know, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. The opportunities that you have in a different country might not be the opportunities you have here. Again, this is the land of opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so once you're here, you are the lucky ones to have been able to come to this country, but then there's so many of your family that cannot. And when you, if you do have the opportunity to go see them, that's great, but most people don't. Most mm-hmm. people will never see their family members that stayed behind ever again, yeah. you know? And now we do have technology, which which helps you at least to FaceTime or do stuff like that. But back then, you know, when we did not have that, there there's people that haven't seen their family, that hadn't seen their family members in mm-hmm. 30 years, you know, and then maybe one day they finally get to see them. But most of the time they don't. If they don't have, you know, the, the they're not legal here, they can never go back. It's kind of like a limbo. And that's what I wanted to, to um, explore in this short film is, is that limbo that people don't understand. For sure. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think it's, you know, kind of what got us going before was was talking about you know the political moment that we're finding ourselves in and Mm -hmm. and in a major way uh daca is uh very much involved with like the the government shutdown right now but i think that's something that you said uh that really kind of like hits that note of what of what your project is about and also kind of like what the moment is very much missing is that it's this entire like conversation has very much become a machine and there's like a like a stereo, not a stereo. I mean, I guess like uh, yeah, like, like a the idea conce- of the like, dreamer. Yeah, like, misconception. Exactly. Like yeah. like a total misconception of of how people are just coming to take 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 and say yeah. no, they're coming for a better life. You know, that's right. all they want is a better life. And I feel because of this whole immigration debate, um, it's completely lost its humanity. People have have and are starting to lose their humanity, which is. Mm horrible in any circumstance because once you lose that you really don't care you know someone could basically die in front of you and you mm-hmm. don't care about it you know yeah. and, and for these people not to put themselves in in someone else's shoes and empathize with what they're going through that is a major problem you know and concern because yeah. if they were to visit any country of where these people are immigrating from they would completely understand why but sure. they don't want to know that's the thing i think i feel like it's it's that they just don't they don't want to put themselves in someone else's well, shoes. And there's like a serious nuance missing there because like, I think there's a, especially for, and you know, especially for the white fo- folks in Congress, mm-hmm. like there is a very um, one note understanding of what the mindset of someone leaving their home country to come to America right. is. Mm-hmm. And it, it includes, I think, the idea that that person has just completely burned the road behind them. You right, know what I mean? Right, by that? Like, exactly. Where it's like, exactly. oh, they, they're dreaming of this world, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, I know for me, the idea of, of of taking this conversation and putting it to film mm-hmm. uh, lends itself really well to, like, finding that humanity. I mean, like, what has right. that experience been like for you? It's been great. It's It's, again, since we didn't want to do just a blatant story of mm. of immigration um i wanted to to use a lot of metaphor and symbolism sure. to show this um to show again 
try to have people empathize with hopefully the characters in these in the story and um, the main thing is you know through a coveted lottery this immigrant woman is given a chance to where she wins to see the opportunity to see her son once again and so it, it kind of deals with <clears throat> what is happening right now with the lottery all of this so i incorporate mm-hmm. a little bit of everything in a way that um, people maybe can see the actual immigration machine working without having to know ex- you know exactly how it works no one most people don't want to know they don't care but seeing the film might give them a little bit of insight into how it works by using the allegory instead of blatantly pushing it to them sure. so i so i'm interested um you know i know that the lottery exists mm-hmm. um i don't know how it works yeah, so it's for certain countries. Um, they get to apply, and there's so many people that can get accepted um, yearly, if I'm not mistaken. But if you have so much money, you can actually be entered in it quickly. You know, it, it's okay. no oh. longer a lottery. It, I, don't, I forget the amount, but um, technically, if you're a rich person living in one of these countries, you have automatic access to getting, uh, it's called the resident visa lottery. And so you, wow. you get thrown into actually becoming a resident. But most of the time it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's most of the countries that already have a lot of problems, you know, that, that have a lot of violence, that are trying to save people from from certain countries. But again, the amount of, of visas they are giving compared to the amount of people that need to immigrate is, is not, it's hilarious because it's not even, a rational amount mm-hmm. that they would need to be giving, and it, and it again since it's a lottery, it's it's very very few people that actually do get to get out of this violence or get out of this poverty. Um, wow. So it's I, it's sad. The the fact that you brought up the word rationality is really interesting to me because the idea that it almost feels like in a lot of ways that the way that this machine has been built is using a lens of rationality, mm-hmm. but then it's completely void of it. Right, exactly. From the other perspective. Exactly, right. It's the, They want to tell you, you know, we're doing it for the best of this, for this, this, this. And I think for people, again, they don't understand it, or like, yeah, of course, I, I completely get it, but they really don't. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's, it's, it's that. It's kind of a fake rationale. And yeah. if you actually understand what the process is, you're kind of like, well, this makes no sense at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, wh- how is this, what century are we living in and how right. has this not been, you know, fixed? Yeah. Um, or so at least discussed. It discussed, exactly, because right now, exactly like we were mentioning with the government shutdown, that it's completely almost based on the immigration issue, you know? And mm-hmm. how have, have, after so many years, have we not come to a negotiation or something that again keeps its humanity instead of just saying you know what no this is the typical we're just gonna put up walls and you know mm-hmm. stop people from coming which is impossible you know it's uh, yeah it's completely impossible but well and it, that's the thing is like the dialogue i think that's something and i we're totally jumping around but i'm like really <laughs> appreciating your brain so like i'm, I'm here <laughs> no for it. the thing that um we were kind of talking about also before we started recording is um I think it's really relevant to this idea of of figuring out what this dialogue needs to look like because what we were talking about was the idea of you know for for your um uh for your project for example the crew is entirely immigrants yes. as you were saying right mm-hmm. um and so you know to to f- expect that you can go into an, a conversation and I'm specifically now talking about like the government mm-hmm. where the discussion right now, as far as, like, decision-making is concerned, is, like, predominantly white. And, like, they're, right. they're almost, like, not even having the conversation that needs to be had. Exactly. And, and so I'm, I'm kind of, like, perplexed at the idea that, uh, like, how can you expect to have this conversation and not have the voices affected? Right, exactly. Being the ones doing the negotiation. Yeah. And it's sad that I feel like, especially now, um, people are fighting that system, um, especially mm-hmm. with the, the recent um, voting and everything for certain for certain states where you yeah. see even trans people winning, which mm-hmm. is great, you know, um, the, the guy that's sick, you know, like all these, these different diverse people actually getting into office because people are tired of these predominantly white older men being the ones that tell you what you can do and what you Mm -hmm. can't do or you know how they're gonna fix things that they have no idea how to do because again they they especially not just talking about immigration even women's rights you know they like to think they know about women you know what what they can delegate women to do or what they can't do just with that you should you know people should think you know this this can't be 
it hasn't worked the last mm-hmm. so many years. We should change it. But mm-hmm. it's still people. A lot of American people are depending on these white men to make these decisions. And you're like, no, it, it can't happen because you need to have a diverse group of people giving different opinions and different perspectives to find that happy medium. And it's definitely not happening. Well, and what's frustrating to me is that I think that a lot of people are jumping from like, well, we can't have white men make these decisions for us and have these conversations for us. And what they're doing is they're taking a small step to the left and saying, let's have white women figure this out. But there's right. there's right. so yeah. much, there's so, there are so many problematic white women out right. there right. that, you know... White women elected Trump. Exactly. exactly. And so, mm-hmm. like, it, it's... And, like, you look at the Women's March mm-hmm. with, with all of the... You know the first the first women's march not so much this not so much this year there was there was more thought into inclusion and intersectionality right. in, or at least we we spoke with the organizers of the Wisconsin women's march and and they really had an eye on inclusion and letting you know women of color shine which is hugely important well and the organization is very much that mm-hmm. yeah exactly right. but um white you know white feminism kind of overtook the conversation and so i'm i'm glad that like in projects like this and you know in you know future incarnations of events like the women's march there are you know not only are there women's voices but there are women of color yes exactly exactly because that's true like what what you're saying i feel that sometimes white feminism likes to tell people what they think people of color are going are going through and yeah. they don't you know and it's yeah and it's now that they are giving us the platform now you know it, it's it's giving us that perspective of giving what we've gone through you know what needs to change but yeah before it, and even it's still kind of tied in that yeah they 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 like to say that they're for it but then they like to speak of it as like they know it exactly and it's 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 impossible for anyone that hasn't gone through it to know well no exactly i mean as a i mean i as a woman like yes i'm a woman and there are certain things that i've experienced but there is no way in hell that i can speak to the experiences of a woman who has immigrated here a woman who has immigrated anywhere a Mm -hmm. woman who has faced any sort of you know racial oppression like i have you know i i have experienced oppression but I still have privilege, and I think that it's hugely important for every white person in this country to recognize, like, no matter what they're going through, right. they do have that privilege of, like, yeah. being able to walk down the street and right. kind of just be. Right. <laughs> See, yeah, yeah, that's all, like, like you're saying, I think that's awesome that, like, like you yourself say that you recognize that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is the first step, you know, exactly. to, to, to understand, um, you know, I haven't gone through it, but... I can empathize that they have gone through something, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I recognize it. But yeah, there, there are people that are like, I don't understand why people are doing protests. I don't understand. It's like because the privilege has led you to, you know, be in an isolated place where you have not encountered it. Mm-hmm. And for them, it's rioting. It's this. It's that. It's like, no, you we are trying to get our voice across because, you know, people like you can live a life that literally they they can say you know little things of course like as women we do go through certain harassment issues stuff like that right but again once you have that oppression you know so many other things um from history it's it's completely different and and when you do recognize that 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 is what what has happened Mm -hmm. and that we need to change that's the first step because yeah there's people that really have no idea and just don't want to recognize it exactly i want to um uh, kind of come the other direction of this conversation because I think it's an awesome conversation. And so the thing that I'm really thinking about now is like um, what what it is is that building these these platforms it really takes a conscious effort. Um, but I'm also I think it's also really important to kind of like point out that there are some I think that there are probably some, I'm trying to not speak for you. I'm not. It was what I'm not trying to do. It's basically what I the, I should just ask the question. Which the que- the question is: Do you feel that? Um, because you've made a conscious effort to build that platform mm-hmm. and, and to uh, uh, have a space where it is um, immigrants creating art mm-hmm. for immigrants, you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. kind of building something throughout the the tiers of of you know administration, let's say, or right. structures. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what do you think that has afforded you? Like, what are some of the benefits to that? To being the one that started, st- like starting to make these projects. Yeah, and, and just kind of like, what is what has that allowed? Has that what has made what about that has mm-hmm. made the project different 
than if it had been the other way. Okay, I see what you mean. Um, so, yes, it's because I have, you know, yeah, made the conscious effort to, to, to do these projects related to immigration, related to to immigrants, and, you know, trying to, to let people know, you know, what we have gone through, what, not, I'm not, I don't want to say what rights we deserve, but the empathy that we deserve in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been more of a challenge of course doing it myself rather than you know relaying on home but at the same time it's obviously more rewarding and more satisfying because i know that i am pushing you know what i believe through instead of Mm -hmm. depending on someone else especially if it was a white you know a white person to give me that opening to say okay you know you can you here's the money or here's this or here's that you know it's it's very different because yeah then then it would be not I don't want to say it's a feeling of maybe owing someone something or saying, mm-hmm. you know, I did it because of this, but it is a little bit of that. And yeah. so so actually doing this project yourself with a group of immigrants that have gone through the same thing, it is way more satisfying and and more exciting in a way because you know that all of these people have gone through the same thing and mm-hmm. who just really want to share this story with people that might have not gone through it or if they did can relate to it and kind of teach in a way or at least share these experiences so people can hopefully if they see it um can relate in some way that's the main thing relating and relating to someone that whose whose shoes you haven't you know stepped in but at least you can again empathize with them this is super i'm so thankful for this conversation right now it's just something that's been like we've been thinking about a lot because i think that the the idea that like i think that like being an ally is super important i think that um you know uh um i'm trying to think of how i want to word this i i feel like that no matter what even the most well-intentioned per as a well-intentioned white person <laughs> i think that there is that i'm very aware of a point that there is no way that i could get rid of the filter to which my lens applies to things like there's just right. no like, it's just, I, th- I think, frankly, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. I think if, if having these conversations, like, you, it, it, can't, it can't be done. And so I will always be suspect mm-hmm. of, an, of an organization that's doing that. Mm-hmm. And to that end, something else that I've been finding myself really frustrated with, with especially as this kind of immigration debate goes on, mm-hmm. is um, I, I, it's this idea of, like, um, I said it, the, how did I put it last night? In this time, especially, no. Um, oh! Uh, now more than ever. Now yes. more than ever projects where it's like, we need to uh, uh, do something related to immigration now more than ever. And right. But then it, okay. <laughs> like, sometimes that's uh, a white immigration story. And it's like, wh- right, why so are you yes. doing that? Like, right. what, like what, right. what is this about? Like, why, <laughs> what? Right. Uh, like, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's, uh, like, interesting to, like, talk about, you know, like, my, my, uh, my great-grandparents were Italian immigrants, right? Mm-hmm. And it's so like, you know, like, yeah, sure, America is founded on immigrants, but, like, <laughs> it's a little, I mean, it, it was bad then, but it's, I, I don't it's know, just, I think it's, that... It's, it's different. Yeah. Right, it's evolved. It, it's, yeah, it, it's, there's been more obstacles. I feel like it's that, like, before, people would, you know, in ship, you know, like, in ships mm-hmm. and stuff, and there wasn't that, um, how would I say, like, the... They didn't realize, you know, there was there was a lot of land and people needed to, you know, mm-hmm. start immigrating and doing all this, how, how they were. I remember that my dad said that they would put stuff on the newspaper like, yes, we even pay you to come and like mm-hmm. make a live, you know, like live here. And yes, like, so, what is it, a farm or agriculture or whatever? And I feel like before it was that, that, that they needed to populate and then now it's like they're thinking it's overpopulated so now they want to go back mm-hmm. on what <clears throat> this country was founded on which yes. again it was founded on immigration but the for them it's i feel like now they think in a way the u.s because it was founded on immigration everyone is an immigrant again everyone is an immigrant but now they want to block and say okay no more immigrants mm-hmm. and it's like okay, this country was was founded on that. And everyone that is living here at some point or another came, except the Native Americans, of course, right, right. Um, came for that, a better life. But yeah. now you, because you your great-great-great-grandfather's the one who did it, 
and you never saw it, you can easily say, no, you know what, you can't anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm putting up a wall and no one else is going to be able to do it. Or I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to put a ban on the countries who are in war, who are actually going through violence and who could die if they stay in their country. You know, and that that's a complete lack of empathy, a complete, Absolutely. complete lack of empathy. Yeah. Well, and it, it what it does is it stops the machine. Right. Because, like... If you put a ban on countries where people need to leave, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then obviously no one is, like, who's going to come? Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he specifically singled out, you know, he was like, well, people from Norway could come. And it's like, yeah, but Norway's fine. Exactly. Right. And it's that, <laughs> right? And, and so now he's, he's, he's no longer saying immigration completely is bad. And I was saying, oh, wait. Actually, if you do come from this country, you're more than welcome to like, come. It's like, come whoa. So over. it's no longer about us having too many people or us, you know, stopping immigration. It's just you want to pick and choose who immigrates to this country. Exactly. I agree. It's 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 ridiculous. And and again, it's one of those that of how you were saying about, you know, how sometimes the enabling of immigrants to be able to tell their story or stuff like that. Um, For me, um, when I hear a lot of Latinos or people that are immigrants that say, um, you know, there's not enough. Latinos in TV. There's not enough, you know, Latinos in movies, blah, blah, blah. I feel like we've depended so much on Americans telling these stories because, again, how you were saying, it's usually white males who are writing these stories and Mm -hmm. what are the roles that they're giving Latinos? They're like the maids, the gangster, you know, like stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And it's one of those, that's what one of the reasons that led me to start filmmaking is because I thought, you know what, you cannot depend on someone else to tell your stories. They don't know what you've been through. So they only know the stereotype of where you come from. So if if there aren't enough Latinos in movies, let's start making movies. Let's start doing this together. And I feel it's that again, building these connections and building these, these groups of collectives of people wanting to make art for ourselves rather than depending on someone else to do it for us and that's where i feel it's 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 led us to be that a lot of people like to complain 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 there's not enough this there's not enough that well let's do something about it together you know Mm -hmm. let's make films let's write for tv let's do this and now there are people springing up um you know writing for for tv and stuff but at the same time it's not for Latino films. A lot of the Latino films are coming from Latino directors from another country. You know, for it's not sure. from the U.S. So I feel it's that it's, it's it's we need to come together and tell these stories ourselves so that people understand what it is we've gone through rather than depend on someone else to do it. That's I love your perspective. That's so Thank great. You. I because I think the um, it's a thought that I think is super important, which is the idea of what the American cultural institution of, of Hollywood, of TV, of movies has been. And I think that, um, you know, I think it's something that, uh, like, there we hear a lot about this conversation of, like, what representation should look like. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, you know, it's, it's the, the idea that you want to see people on the screen that are like you is super important. But I, I guess I'm curious for for you, kind of, what's your outlook on or, or perspective of like, you know, are there uh, um, guidelines to that? Like, is there like a is there like a bat is there a bad representation? Like, is that is something that I would never like weigh in on? I guess is, is my right, point. Right, right. I think the 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 representation that as a Latina I, I complain about first of all is how we are portrayed in movies. You mm-hmm. know, it, it's it's always either the super sexy voluptuous Latina or mm-hmm. the maid mm-hmm. or the guys will always be the gangbangers. You know, right. it's, it's, it's always that mainly. Um, that's one of the, the issues that I have. And then the story, sometimes the stories, they'll never be, you know, just about a typical family from another country, typical mm-hmm. immigrant family. That's why like um, Fresh Off the Boat is so great because it's showing you, you know, a family of immigrants, how they actually live, not so much, you know, that one character in a TV show that maybe yeah. is in tech, you know, they, they, they're just, again, because they are, these other shows are written by Americans, they'll put either, uh, you know, Middle Eastern or Chinese or a Latino actor in a certain hole. And that's, now they're like, okay, we, we've, we've included, you know, people of color in a way. And, um, and that's not right. You know, it's, it's actually having these people and, and seeing their stories 
being told by the exact same people who've gone through them and that's the main thing that there's more of a more of um i think you can relate to it more like when i see a latino movie made by a latino i can obviously empathize more like even like coco i watched mm-hmm. that recently you know and and to see the co-director that was mexican that that obviously gave his take because the the director was um american if i'm not mistaken the main mm-hmm. guy that that's put in the in the credits and so when i saw that it was co-directed by a mexican guy i'm like that's why are you know related to it because everything that it tells you about mexican culture day of the dead that is what we go through as mexican people and again when 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 you see that instead of seeing a movie made completely by americans and you're like something is missing because Mm -hmm. all they know is the stereotype not so much the nuts and bolts of what every culture is made up of Mm -hmm. and so yeah i feel it's that it's mainly just just hollywood needs to hire more people that um, come from different backgrounds so they can For have sure. that different perspective. If you know you have a room full of um, like white guys writing a story, they're all gonna have that same perspective. But like how we were talking about if there's a woman in there, you know, an uh, African-American person, there's a Latino, there's, t- you know, there's gonna be so many different perspectives that mm-hmm. you could literally get a really great story out of it because of how you could build these characters and build this story. So I think that it's it's just more inclusion for sure. Yeah, well, and it's interesting, like with so many white voices writing for people of color, you know, it. I, I, I think it's, I, I, I imagine that it's, well, I know it's hard for um, actors of color to break into leading roles. Like my aunt's husband, Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to get him because he was making noise and I ended yeah. up making more noise. Yeah. Anyway, uh, my aunt's husband, um, he um, does a lot of work as an extra mm-hmm. um, for, you know, the, a plethora of TV shows that are filled with Chicago. And he's from Algeria. Oh, wow. Um, and most of the roles he's cast in are like shifty guy number three right or like you know the owner Mm -hmm. of the bodega down around the corner Mm -hmm. and so it's like you know i i know for a fact that he's a very artistic person and that he would want to you know stretch his wings a little bit more and like get dig into something deeper but no he's the owner of the bodega yeah type shifty guy number three Mm -hmm. and it's like there there need to be more people Mm -hmm. of color writing of their culture so that people can actually dive into these experiences. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly how how I feel the that it's that there's no other way to relate to a story unless it's told by someone who has gone through it, you know. That's yeah. that's the main thing. Well, I also think that um there's a myth that there's a limit on relatability relatability from like the white perspective, I guess. Like mm-hmm. if that makes sense where it's like, "Oh, well, you know, the, so I guess this is actually what I mean. The like the um, rubber band of relatability is a very uh, like white perspective one, where mm-hmm. it's like when you're thinking about TV shows and you're thinking about movies and you're like, oh, uh, how many perspectives are we bringing in right. to make it relatable? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, how far can we stretch that? It's mm-hmm. like. The rubber band is white. The, like the whole, it's the whole. <laughs> right, exactly. It's, like, like it's not like you're stretching it. To, we're gonna. Oh, you're you're gonna have two Latinos. Like that's right, a little. Exactly. That's a little yeah. far. And it's like what, what to to what to what you like. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, what I, is I, the quota? And it's right. like that. I feel like there's a quota. Like all right, we got because it's it's even like commercials. Like, yeah. You have. There's always like, oh, we need the ethnically ambiguous person. Oh, we need right. you know, the black person. Oh, we, you know, like they, they have once they have their quote of people that they can put there. Like, all right, we did it. You know, yeah. we, we did what people are asking for, and it's like, no, it, yeah. it's not that. It's that's a very superficial way of seeing it. Mm-hmm. Do y'all remember that Cheerios commercial that came out like a year or so ago? That um, with the mixed families. Yeah. Yes. And yes. how people lost their fucking right? minds. Exactly. About it. Exactly. And you're just like, really? It's like, but that's life. Exactly. Right. Right. But, but people. People are still, and it's not like I feel with with this guy in the office. It led all of these people who were already thinking these racist thoughts out of the woodwork. You know, they were always thinking it, but they just kind of thought about it at home. And now with this, they're like, "Oh no! Now we can say whatever the hell we want." And now you're realizing, wow, that is there is a big percentage of people who are racist, who are just hateful. You mm-hmm. know, and, and they want to criticize everything everyone else is doing wrong mm-hmm. when usually. At the end of the day, they're the ones who are doing something that's completely horrible. Right. No, I'd love to. I'd love to get back to the project. So, um, I'm interested. First of all, um, 
I want to talk about the Indiegogo campaign. Sure. Um, I, I read on the, you know, we watched the video, I read through all of the copy on the campaign, and what caught my eye um, was the fact that you specifically chose to go the crowdfunding route mm-hmm. so that not only you could build, so not obviously it's so that you could raise the money, but that you could engage the audience. I'm wondering if you could speak right. more to that. Yes, I, feel, I think it's... Um Indiegogo and all of those crowdfunding platforms are just such a great way to, again, even if you don't make money, you know, it's a way to get your message across to as many people as you can. It's kind of like a pre-tease of what it is you're going to do in a way. And I feel that it's in its own way, a mini movie to the next, to to the movie or the film that you are making, because it has to attract enough people Mm -hmm. to the project so that they could decide to fund it, you know? And so it's very, I don't know how to put it. It's, it's, it's got its little science to it. And so it's sometimes you're like, all right, I'm going to make this. And you're like, no, you know, it's not attracting people's attention. So you literally have to pre-plan a crowdfunding campaign, what I've learned, because the, the, the past project I've made, it's usually, oh yeah, I'm just going to put a video up, you know, no worries. And they weren't as effective. And so I was like, you know what, let's take the time to kind of build a video that could help people relate to it without seeing it and decide, you know, okay, I'll give you, you know, a contribution so you can make this possible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's gotten me to realize how much um, how much these crowd crowdfunding campaigns really really help and really mean, and how much story so how much of the story you can actually put into it without giving too much away in a way, mm-hmm. and how much you can put in to have people again become attracted to the story to give this contribution. So it's it was great. It, it, this this um, especially having all of our 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 crew, you know, already lined up and everything helped yeah. us a lot. That's so interesting to me because, like, you know, you you would think that, you know, in in my mind as a person who's never done a crowdfunding campaign, it's like, you know, you think to yourself, oh man, a crowdfunding campaign would be so much easier than just like getting the funding on your own or like applying for a grant Mm -hmm. or approaching an individual donor. But in reality, Mm -hmm. like there is so much thought because there are, there's a sea of crowdfunding campaigns. Like at the the Mm -hmm. bottom of yours that were like, they were like, see these related campaigns. And Mm -hmm. like they were all, you know, equally compelling and Mm -hmm. just like amazing. And it's, it's just a matter of like, how do I make myself stand out among this sea of, of asks exactly exactly (laughs) and that's it that's you know that's exactly it because you you would think oh yeah i have i don't know 500 friends on facebook if each person gave you know a dollar we'd have five you know stuff like that (laughs) and then you post it and no you know no one donates and so then you're like what is something is missing from this campaign that's not leading people like one thing is for people to watch and then one thing is people be like okay i'll give those five dollars you know i'll give those ten dollars and so yeah it's definitely that that you would think that applying to grants is is harder, but it, you f- start realizing, wow, it's actually a lot easier to just write that's, all this down. Ooh, that's what we've run into as well. Because when we started, we were like, we're gonna be, we're gonna be community supported. <laughs> we're gonna run on donations. Exactly, right. You know, we're not gonna have, we're not gonna have sponsors. We're not gonna have advertisers. We're just gonna be, we're just gonna be supported by. <laughs> yeah, we're like, gonna everybody. be the like, first ones to do this. We're gonna. No be one's thought of this before. Five dollars at a time. It'll be. We'll be owned by the city of Chicago. It'll be. Great. And like, no, (laughs) we are not owned by the city of Chicago. We are. And so it's like, you know, and it's, it's that, it's that horrible thought of like, I have so many friends if they just give, but like at the same time, like they also have 17 other things that they have to think about and that they Mm want to support. And Mm -hmm. it's, and it is about making, making the project that you're putting out there, like, something that people can really rally behind right, exactly yeah that's yeah that's that's what i've realized that's the main thing to get something that'll get people excited yeah. and once it gets them excited then they're like this has to happen let me you know make sure it happens mm-hmm. but if it's something that could easily blend into the background that's when they're like yeah you know i'll wait to see where this goes but i'm not going to yeah. be that person that makes it happen right so yeah it's very very interesting and it does make you realize wow i need to start planning the next crowdfunding campaign for my next project like now even before <laughs> i'm even like you know doing this project because it does take a, i would say about a month month and a half just to have it very tweaked 
And that I didn't necessarily do it for this one, but that's what this one has made me realize that yeah. I need to really, really, really have it in a way that even show it to people before I even post it, you know, hey, what, how does this look like? Do, would you donate to my campaign, you know? And, and from there, post it because, yeah, you only have, what, 30 days usually? And by the 20th day, if you don't have anything, you're kind of like, oh, wow. You know, I thought I would get money. And now how, what am I going to do? Right. And that's mm-hmm. the main thing that, that I think crowdfunding is a great way to have that supplemental, you know, it, it, uh, money for your project. But if you depend completely on it, most of the time, it'll let you down. Unless you know just a lot. I know people who have done crowdfunding campaigns for their, their films and they'll get like $20,000. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. But again, they have such a network of people now that have seen their stuff, that know their work, that now they're like, okay, yes, I will donate to that campaign. So it's just that build, with every crowdfunding campaign, just building up a network of people. Absolutely. Um, I, like, I'm feel, feeling a left turn all of a sudden coming on. <laughs> um, so you mentioned, I hope I'm, I'm not wrong here that you lived in mexico city for a while yeah i actually lived in monterey mexico i am from mexico city but i lived in monterey mexico okay cool um well that's super interesting to me something that i think that we talk about a lot um is the idea of like the urban versus the rural right um and i think that i i I think that mexico provides a a very unique aspect to that end because there are there are kind of urbanopolises to a certain extent Um, i mean mexico city is mammoth massive yeah and it's um (laughs) it is huge you know i think that uh like it has a from my understanding it has an extremely rich artistic history yes um but, you know, I, is there, I guess my first kind of question is, is like, you know, I think that something that America is experiencing right now is that there is such a uh, distance and dialogue between mm-hmm. folks that live in, like, the far suburbs and, and rural areas versus the people that live in very dense cities. Is that, uh, is that a, something that, that happens in Mexico as well, or do you... Yeah, I would think so, because I, I feel, um, of what I have seen, uh, of course, yeah, when you're in a big city, there's just a melting pot of ideas and creativity and everything and then when you see the rural areas that don't have access to maybe telling their stories or or access to these programs then there's people from the city that'll come to these towns and say i'm gonna tell your story you know yeah and i've seen that happen a lot there's a lot of movies that that have done that um over the years, yeah, that, that it's like a story of, you know, a boy that lived in a province and who was it told by rich kids that were living in the city? Yeah, so yeah. So I just find that, you know, that happens a lot. Yeah, there. and I, it's it's not entirely relevant to what we're mm-hmm. talking about, but it's just something I, I was just thinking about because, you know, it's, it's this idea that, like, I, that's something that I have a hard time with when folks talk about representation mm-hmm. on a general scale. Right. So it's like, it's not... It's also much more nuanced than right. that. Right, it's true. Yeah, it's it's got its levels. Like I feel for sure. Yeah. Like it, it happens locally, and then it happens, you know, outside of your state, and then it happens outside of your country. Like it, there are just so many tears to it. But mm-hmm. it's true. Even in in everyone's own country, there is that sense of other people wanting to tell your stories that have no idea what you've been through. You know, and and yeah, it's it's a scale of things. I feel. Hmm. Um. I, I want to. I'm trying. So what I'm trying to do now is I'm trying to very much. I just wanted to ask that one question, and then I want to get back to the project. Uh, um, but I, I'm blanking on. That's fair. So um, I saw that you have the cast and crew lined up. Yes. Um, would you mind talking about like, like the the different people that are going to be involved? Sure. Yes. So so for the cast, I did want to bring different perspectives. Um, without giving too much of the story away, there are going to be different languages spoken in the film. Mm. Um, so we do have um, a boy from India, we have a Chinese man, and we have the immigrant woman. And they are the ones that are kind of being thrown. Everyone in this waiting room is. We have other you know, background actors that give these extra people of color that are going to be there. But again, these are all the people being thrown into this machine, the people that we are following. But at the same time, I feel that the main characters are all an extension, extension of one person, you know, that... Each one of them go through something different in this film, but it is as if it had been one person that goes through it, but just being told through the different people. Because it would be a little bit boring to just see one person go through yeah. everything, you know. So this this movie is set in, or this film is set in a waiting room? Yes. This reminds me, have you ever, so there's this opera called The Consul. Uh, no, I have not seen that. 
And this, and um, I saw that there's a secretary character. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So oh, that sounds super. So the console. So this is another, but this is a great example of the now more than ever thing. And yeah. I, I love the console. I'm not like trying to shit on the console, but like it's, <laughs> it's um, what specific country is it set in? Do you remember? I don't remember. I'm gonna Google it while we're talking about this, but it's it's. I'm like 99 sure it's a white country. And it's, oh, really? I oh yeah! To check it out. Oh, I it's like I, it, it's like Russia or uh, like the Ukraine mm-hmm. or oh, some or maybe it's a made-up country. It wouldn't, it surp- honestly it might wouldn't be surprise a, me if it was made a made-up country. country, but it's a white country for okay. sure. But it's written. It, it's a. It's it had its first performance in 1950. Oh, it was wow. exactly okay. very much. What, it's it has nothing to do with um, how we think about immigration today. Uh-huh. But I think it. Uh, you know, there are some big name opera houses that do this opera, and it's this oh, wow. now more than everything. Where it's like, because they, they talk uh, about the difficulty right, right, right. of getting a visa, and like, yes, yes it is it is challenging, mm-hmm. but like. Because that's the whole point of the mm-hmm. opera, is that it's set, half of it is set in this waiting room mm-hmm. of this, of the consulate uh-huh. of this country, of oh. people trying, applying to get visas. Okay. And it's all these different people, mm-hmm. and like, all these people step forward and, and tell their stories, but it follows one main woman. Yeah, it's set in an uh, unidentified. So yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like that. We have the main immigrant woman, who is the one that we fully see, yeah. you know, come in a circle, but everyone else shows what she is going through, but in a different perspective, kind of. That's amazing. That's actually, uh, yeah, I, I highly recommend checking out that opera. Then, I'm going I'm, to. I'm very I have not in heard of it. On. Yes, I'd love it's to see it. It's set in a, an unidentified European totalitarian country. Oh, wow. No, the, yeah. Um, I'm going to have to see it for sure. For yeah, sure. that's super interesting. That uh, is super interesting. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? I mean, the, the, the one aria that she has is like, like, iconic to the, it's so good. It's um, to this we've come. Yeah. The papers aria, where she's just like, it's this seven minutes of just like anguishing over the fact that she can't get the the paperwork. Oh right. wow! To, yeah. Well, yeah. because honestly, a a major conflict in this is that she keeps filling out the wrong forms. And see, yep, that is definitely an immigrant. Like that, every time you go, something is going to be wrong. Yeah. And, and as an immigrant, I feel like it's everyone has a different story related to that. You could have everything right, but it's going to be wrong. Something is going to be missing always, you know, and yeah. that's so interesting that they touched that on, especially back then in the 50s, you know, and now it's still happening so many years after that you would think mm-hmm. again, it would be a fixed system. But no, it's just a machine. It's it's really, they do it on purpose because they only have so many people they really want to let through or that they do want to give a visa to. So it's like sometimes in it's, you don't want to believe it, but sometimes you're like, oh, they, they can literally look at me and decide whether they want to give it to me or not. And it's true because they could easily you could be like I don't have that paper oh no worries here it is you know fill it out blah blah but if they don't like you they will be like nope sorry you need to come back you know and, and it's that it's it's such a discriminatory process mm-hmm. that everyone just has insane horror stories to you know just wanting a better life and having to go through all of this wow that is <laughs> yeah I I just because now I'm I'm trying to get off the off the console note but I just think it's <laughs> something that I'm thinking about now because on the relatability note like when you see productions of the console it's a it's a that's i guess that i'm I'm like really ruminating and trying to understand what it is with my frustration with um uh now more than ever uh conceits and it's it's because the it's the idea of touting relatability and touting accessibility but then it's like it's it's kind of trendy in a way exactly right right right. like it's more of a more of a trend like oh it's happening now we need to do it right now because it's exactly how you know the the how movies relating to trans characters happen Mm -hmm. there was that one person who said i'm gonna make a movie or has been making movies you know about trans characters that no one paid attention to but all of a sudden it became a trend and everyone made a show or tv about trans people mm-hmm. you know and, and it's just that it, they it's not because they care about it it's because it's the trend and they yeah. want to be that person to make you know that oscar winner that right like the winner. um who's dude from arrested development and is an amazon thing yeah. transparent yes yes exactly yeah right that came out it, at the like the height of the whole right trans well of course movie. they didn't get an actual trans person exactly to do it. right yeah. and see that's the thing again yeah and that I I was gonna get to that. Good thing you reminded me. Nice. So I, I was thinking nice. around. I was like, there was something I wanted to say. I think that's another thing, definitely. That um, as a Latina, when you see diff actors, uh, white actors doing the roles oh of God. Latino actors, of any other type of you know, like it, that's just not Latino roles. Any role that's a person, you know, of color or an immigrant, how 
white people are being put to these roles and you're like really like there's so many actors who could do this you know so many again yeah like trans actors mm-hmm. latino actors and no like i think the most recent one is they're making a movie about a the drug trafficking and all of that and then Catherine Zeta-Jones is going to play a Colombian with like a really oh! heavy accent like Colombian uh. accent and you're like you could not find a Colombian actor really no. but she's Welsh exactly, exactly right everyone's like she's Welsh like what is oh that blows this? my mind when well cause like there's <laughs> a very similar thing was there was a, a theater company that did In the Heights I heard about that. Yes, and they had mm-hmm. an Italian man. Well, they I think they cast. I don't remember. I don't remember the nuances of it. Mm-hmm. So if that if someone from that theater company is listening and they feel slighted <laughs> by my misrepresentation of how they handled that situation, I apologize. <laughs> but I, from my understanding, is that there was a lot of uh, because you know that is a very like it's like you can't just like be like oh we we got an italian person and they're just you know and they look you know they they, they're ethnically ambiguous (laughs) so they could be that role it's like no you know it's that's the thing that they have no idea where the story is even from you Mm -hmm. know it's one of the like i recently did a um a theater uh, a play that um is called Crystal City 1969 in Dallas and it's mm-hmm. about the whole Chicano movement okay. in Texas yeah. um, during the 60s and I can only imagine it's like me as an immigrant as a Latina immigrant um, especially a Mexican immigrant because most of these um, students were Mexican when they did the walkout I completely felt for everything mm. especially because my dad went through it you know all of this stuff right. that you're like oh my god I relate to it so much which adds even more to my performance because mm-hmm. I, I want to put this you know what I'm relating to it in my character, I can only imagine if they would have used all American people to mm-hmm. do it, or people have no idea what this, you know, walkout or what this whole movement was. Mm-hmm. It's it's honestly a slap in the face to anyone that's from that actual culture. You know, it's it's crazy, and and you you would think they would be like, okay, all right, you know, we're not going to do it anymore. And then another role, you know, then this whole, like, let's say Catherine the Jones thing, thing comes out that you're like, really? You could not find an actress to play that role? I highly mm-hmm. doubt that and I don't know yeah. what it is it's, it's I don't know it's the politics and the white people saying you know we're not gonna put a Latino oh, we're gonna put a white person find one. It's like, right it's, exactly it's yeah like, maybe you can't find one you're exactly. 10 rich white friends that like, <laughs> exactly right exactly yeah, yeah and yeah it's it's ridiculous that's that's another yeah definitely another point of inclusion that's being missed time and time again cool so um at what point in the project are you currently? We are currently in post production. We actually had um, cool. some reshoots yesterday. Cool. And uh, yeah, we're we're gonna start editing, getting everything clipped together, getting a rough cut done, and start doing everything we need to: color grading, sound mixing, um, cool. composing the music, and hopefully have something pretty soon to show everybody. Nice. How, so uh, you mentioned that you uh, have had projects in the past. How, what what <laughs> At what point, I'm trying to think of how to put this in not a weird way. Like, at what point of your career is this? Uh-huh. Like, how many projects have you done? Like, how this much is, of this um, experience This is my was... third short film. Okay, cool. Uh, my first short film is Alma. Uh, that was a couple of years ago. And that was a Latino family reunion and kind of the cool. dysfunctionality wow. of this girl hosting this family reunion. Um, you know, what it entails. And yeah. uh, it was great. I had a lot of uh, luck. With it. it was my first one. I definitely learned so much from it uh, because I had never, you know, directed before. And so you just start finding things that oh, I would not do that again. I would not do this again, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But um, it was great. It, it, it went to a lot of film festivals. And um, that led me to tell the second story, which is um, Sombras, um, Shadows. And I did that one last year. No, actually two years ago. So the other one was three years ago. And um, Sombras is about a young woman whose mother abandoned her at a young age and uh, an opportunity arises that kind of offers to tell her what mm-hmm. happened. And the story is kind of a, you know, kind of a, a message to sometimes it's better to just leave certain things unknown rather than trying to figure them out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the second one. And then this is the third one related to immigration. Cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, um, actually, you know, uh, we have a few minutes left. Uh, should we? So the the last thing we do with all of our guests mm-hmm. is a one minute plug for anything they have upcoming. Sometimes it's very obvious, like letting folks know about a film that's going to be coming out soon or that's that's in post production. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also really love hearing about. Um, we love when folks give shout outs to other f- people that are uh, doing dope work. 
Um, and just generally, uh, so it doesn't have to be all these things, but mm-hmm. it, it can be, um, just, uh, any kind of self-care things. Maybe you're consuming like books, movies, TV shows, stuff like that. Ooh, so many things. What's to talk about? Um, well, leading back to the whole, um, you know, Latinos making more art and stuff. I feel here in Chicago more than, um, many other places. There is a lot of, of Latino, um, projects coming out, whether it be in theater or film, and it's a lot more uh, friendlier to these artists, you know, that more of an opening for us to tell these stories and more mm-hmm. of <clears throat> support to tell them. So I, I guess my shout out would be to Chicago. Cool. <laughs> that would be it. Because it's, yeah, it's, I feel the second short I did was in Dallas and I just, I could not feel that same support. You know what I mean? It was right. very difficult to find that support for that short film. And once I decided to do the third one, I just had so many people wanting to contribute and wanting to support um that I just thought, you know, there's no place like Chicago. Chicago is awesome, especially for, you know, people of color wanting to make these projects to to get our stories across. Absolutely. Um, where can uh, people find your work? Um, it's not the two past short films are not online yet because they were still doing festival festival okay, rounds. Cool. Yeah. Um, but they will be up there soon. Um, on my website, aliciamagana.com. That's usually where I put all all my links and. Um, Un Ratito Más is currently in post-production, and we're hoping to have that one done, hopefully, in the next couple of months. Cool. Is there any uh, good social media places for people to find you? Yes, actually. Um, on Facebook, we actually have a page for this project. Cool. Um, it's uh, Un Ratito Más, A Little While Longer. Um, and we have one for Alma and Sombras. Just put facebook.com and then backslash with the title of those those films. And yeah, that would be the main place. IMDb, they're on there as well. Um, and where can people find if people are looking to donate to the Indiegogo? The campaign is actually over. Oh, well then but, never mind. Yeah. Yes. Well then they well then you missed out, <laughs> listener. Yes, sadly. But we might make another um, campaign for the post production expenses. Cool. We'll see. But mm-hmm. um, I'll definitely let you guys know about that. Yeah, please do. Cool. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you all so much for listening. I've been Daniel Johansson. I continue to be Maureen Smith. If you want to keep up with what we're up to, <laughs> uh, I'm fading thick, quick. Um, uh, keep up with what we're up to. You can head to scopymag.com. That's our website. We post all of our articles there, as well as all of our podcasts. Just all of that sweet, 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 sweet content. Um, you can... Uh, Oh my god. Find you can us also find us on fa- social media <laughs> places on Facebook, that's Scopy Magazine, on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Google Play, Radio Public, and iTunes Podcasts, that is Scopy Mag, and we spell that S C A P I M A G. And as always, I'm here to emphasize the importance of donations. We run on a shoestring budget. Everything that we've been able to do up to this point has been through your generosity. So first of all, thank you so much. Second of all, we could use a little bit more help. If you're in a position to give, you can head to our website, scopymag.com, and go to our donate section. There are a couple ways that you can give. First of all, you could do a one-time donation. If you choose to do that, you will have our eternal gratitude. Otherwise, for as little as $5 a month, you can support our mission of uplifting local arts and independent media. If you're interested in giving at a higher level or advertising opportunities, please feel free to reach out to us at scopymag at gmail.com. So give a little, give a lot. And if you can't give, then listen, participate, and share. Cool. Thanks again so much for listening. Go out and make something. Yep. <laughs>